We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague, joined by Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com, the illustrious Casey Holdall. Checking in from the road. We had him in last time uh, for the road and said uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, we check back in. It's a long road trip. Just just a one gamer. (laughs) The fact that it's Denver both times I've ever been on the show uh, struck me as kind of odd today when I got there. I was like, wait a minute, like. What is it about Denver that, that I keep uh, joining Jack when uh, when we're in Denver? So, but I'm happy to do it. Yeah, also, I mean, why why are you selling him short here? Like, he's got a lot of other accolades next to his name. He's 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 not just a one website guy now, man. This guy's got multiple podcasts. Like, come on, let's 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 give him a prop. Oh, I was I was gonna allow him to I, plug I think anything everything outside of world class POS is like <laughs> great. Like that uh that that works for me just fine. Your neighborhood POS. I do. I did want to say before I forgot. Uh, I meant to text this to you actually a few days ago. Uh, I have loved this season. You guys have done a lot of interesting content with the Blazers this year, and I don't want to sound like I'm belittling your other pod by any stretch. But I love the briefcase just because I've always been longing for a beat writer to basically like empty your notes, empty your practice thoughts, empty some some interview stuff that maybe you didn't get to on written pieces and I, I when I saw you do that I was like hell yeah I've been wanting something like this so I, I I think that it's been fantastic to have this year that is very kind of you to say Brandon that really means a lot to me thank you so much and now it's just kind of the idea is like just something a little more more frequent that yeah like a bunch of good stuff that you know you don't end up using or you only use in like one format not in another and it's like mm-hmm. well I should try to do something with this stuff and you know, you put it on social and it does okay, but like sometimes it's like, no, nah, something needs to endure a little bit more and maybe have a little more context than you can give in, you know, one minute when you can post something on IG or on Twitter. So right. um, that's just kind of been the idea. It's been really rewarding. And Brandon, again, man, that's that's so kind of you to say. And then obviously you have the uh, Blazers Balcony with uh, with the illustrious Brooke Holtz and Dam as well. With award winner, Brooke Holtz. Award winning. Award winning, award winning sports Brooke broadcaster of the year for the state of Oregon, Brooke Holtz and Dam. I hope she, I, I know she's never the kind of person that would do it. I would love it if she just like walked around with it, just walked around with the award all the time. Well, that's why well, he's the POS, actually, and not I her. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> she get like a shirt or something, maybe. Or, you know, like, she, she should bring it to our next recording. Actually, just yes, just, just dump. On the table. Listen, 
I'm telling you right now, if I ever stumble into a regional Emmy, I am going to carry that thing around on my keys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hope you never win. I hope you never win. <laughs> my boy Tristan has his uh, his regional Emmy in a, in a spot a spot of prominence in his uh in his condo downtown. So, Absolutely. Uh, I would, I'd, I'd get like a, I'd get one of those big chains. Yes. You know? Just like wearing exactly. on a chain, like, <laughs> Which by the way, there are a bunch of kids in big chains. At big okay. I was actually like, like there are a ton of them. Like not like, sports yeah. chain, not like yeah. three or four. I'm talking a hundred, 200 yeah. kids with the giant gold plastic chains. Are you guys like, just noticing this trend? Cause I went to the Seahawks Niner game in Seattle and I'm not kidding from 55 year old fan. <laughs> To 12 year old fan chains with seahawks chains with niners like i went to one of the stores at our malls at one of our malls and i i bought one as a gift for a couple people i saw they you gave swag out. one yeah i got swag yeah. a, a dodger one but like there was two left they would just happen to be two that i needed they were sold out like they're super popular and they're pretty cheap i yeah. got my wife a, a saints one like two years ago and yes yeah, so yeah. i first saw him in vegas on a on the uh, the secondary Vegas Street, original Vegas. Oh, old and they had like the yeah. old big pinwheel when I almost bought Ooh. it, but I was like, oh. eh, it's the it's the old pinwheel. And that yeah, that was like two or three years ago. And yeah, so Brandon, you're right. Like I've seen it more and more, <laughs> but like last night at the game, again, like There's, they must have been handing out at so like, many. elementary schools or yeah. something because like every other kid I saw had one. I was like, yeah. I mean, it's a great it's a great look. Like I mean, more the whole idea, section. Behind, like where where the players' entrance is on the Blazers side, where, where the kids are getting autographs. Yeah, all those kids had chains on. All of them. It was ridiculous. I was like, "Huh, that's that's like I, I'd seen them before, but it was a lot. It was just." Uh, Joey says Fremont Street, Old Vegas. That's what it was. Fremont Street. Thank yes. you so much. I, yes. I, as a devout Vegas lover, I can't believe I, I spaced it on. <laughs> I, I, I always go just go go with Old Vegas, so could because I can never remember. Yeah. Because you've got the way it's, it's where the best bingo's at on the strip, everybody. <laughs> or not on the strip, I guess. But you, you've got the pawn shop and you've got the uh, uh, custard place. That's what I always remember. And the, yeah, the, the heart attack cafe or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's which what is, I always like. I always right love walking by there just to see if there's a ambulance up front or like if <laughs> someone's actually in the middle of dying you know, some kind of event <laughs> eating a quadruple bacon cheeseburger or something. Listen, that's how we're gonna go, folks. Speaking of how we're gonna go, the Blazers are. Uh, back on their winning ways after uh, a five-game losing streak, uh, one that uh, it sucked pretty hard, let's be honest. But uh, back-to-back wins against the Mavericks, clearly shorthanded in the first match, really shorthanded in the second one. Uh, anytime you're not uh, putting out your MVP candidate, it's going to be a little bit difficult. But uh, nobody's going to complain and nobody's going to bitch about handing these wins back, Casey, because they they drop some in that five game skid that they really should have picked up. I mean, I think I think to to a man in that locker room, they would all say that in that five game losing streak, they probably should have won three, maybe four. Uh, I think you can very easily say at their worst should have gone two and three with the the, the way they played. But now that they're out of it. Now that, that things aren't fixed but looking better is that does that time period do you think that was good for the team ultimately in the long run you know i i don't know if i could say it was good because uh, the 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 thing i'm i'm just a little concerned about still is that while getting both those wins versus the mavs was incredibly important like they still haven't had a game where they had to win 
late in the fourth quarter. And I feel like that's kind of what the problem has been or was in that five game losing streak was, you know, the, the game of the Pacers, they should have won that game. They, they didn't, they should have won the Minnesota game. They should have beat Orlando uh, in, in Portland and, and, and the Cavs are kind of the same idea. Like they, Cavs are really good teams. So, you know, when they, when they end up beating you in the fourth quarter late, you kind of chalk it up to them just being good. But, you know, like that ability to close out games has, has just seemed like it's been an issue for this team over the last month. And so, you know, I, I'd like to see them win a game that comes down to kind of crunch time in the fourth quarter before I can say that, like, I feel like they really kind of learned something from from this time. But I also feel like, too, like now they're just a bit healthier. Like, I think obviously getting Nas back is incredibly important. Getting Gary back and, and him kind of starting to to be in the flow of things a little bit is incredibly important. And I think that, you know, that losing streak also seemed a product to me of just kind of guys run out of steam a little bit and the bench getting to the point where it's like now other teams can kind of key in on what Shaden's doing, you know, and outside of him before, you know, Nas and, and Gary came back, you know, not a, not a ton of scoring pop there either. So, you know, I, 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 if it was just a confidence issue, getting those wins versus the Mavs might be enough to just kind of square them away. And so at that point, maybe you do feel like, Hey, you know, they maybe need to take a step back in order to figure out some of the things they needed to address. Same with the, like from a style of pay perspective as well. You know, if, if you're someone who's wanted to maybe see the Blazers play a little more pick and roll and Dame to maybe kind of try to take things on himself a little bit more, having that losing streak did do that. You know, I mean, the Dame's comments, you know, after the the second Mavs win, he was basically like, yeah, I just kind of came to the conclusion that I needed to go out and do more. And he's like, I'm still playing the right way, but I, I realized, or I, I just decided that like, hey, we can't keep losing like this and I'm going to need to kind of do what I do that's going to put us in a good position to get out of this. So, you know, I, I think that you, you could argue that, but I, I'd like to see a little more progress and a little more a little more success, particularly late in games before I could say that like, yeah, they, they really kind of came away with something from, from that losing streak. Yeah. Casey, we, we talked about going into their first Dallas game with, with some of those losses that you just kind of highlighted. And, and sometimes like, look, I think you nailed it. When you play Cleveland's Cleveland's roster is one of the best in the league, right? You've, you've got the premier front court, you've got a great back court. Like they're, they're pretty locked in, in those places. It's hard to keep those leads. You lose to some of the other teams, the Orlando's of the world, I think you're kind of kicking yourself a little bit. What what did you what what stood out to you? Because sometimes it's just a make or miss league, and it was really hard to get way over our skis. I think frustrated because like they couldn't hit a three during that five game stretch to save their lives. They just went cold. They went into a as Chauncey I think said a bit of a funk. Did anything pop to you a different for them or what they did or how it looked for you in that first game against Dallas? I know they won last night, but. Dallas playing without Luke is a good opportunity. They hung with Portland for most of that game, but did anything pop specifically differently for you in their first win against Dallas in that two game stretch than what you had kind of seen previous night, or is just simply they started making their shots? Well, I mean, I think shot making is definitely part of it, but I mean, I think the turnovers is the thing you really look at. I mean, I think they had like seven or nine turnovers in the first win versus the Mavs after having like, 80 turnovers for like 120 points in the losing streak leading up to it. And so, you know, in those games that they ended up losing, yeah, like, you know, shots don't fall and that's, that's always going to be a problem if they're not falling it. And to your point, Brandon, yeah, it didn't, it seemed to me like they were still generally getting pretty good shots. I mean, I, I feel like the Raptor game was, was not, I, I don't know if I'd say, say that for that game, but 
uh, particularly for like you know the the game versus the the magic and and cleveland you know those are games where it did just seem like they weren't making shots but when you're turning the ball over as often as they were particularly in the fourth quarter you know i i think the missing shots leads to those turnovers because instead of playing within the flow of the offense and taking the shots that you're supposed to take you start thinking well i mean i'm not making those shots so now i need to maybe try something else and then that that can result in turnovers. I think we saw that on multiple occasions uh, and during that losing streak late in games. And so, you know, it's, it's when shots aren't falling, it results in other issues outside of just losing, obviously. And so when guys are, are kind of thinking about it when they're out there and when guys are maybe passing up shots that should be taking or when a guy like Damer Ant is like, these guys are missing these shots, I'm taking this shot and, and maybe forcing up looks that, that they otherwise wouldn't take, you know, like that – that has downstream effects. I think that that when you're not playing your best and when you're already shorthanded, anyways, you know, just miss just a few of those issues can can really sink you, particularly late in games versus teams that know that you're struggling late in games. You know, like every single team that they lost to in that in that uh, losing streak, I guarantee at some point in time, either before the game or at halftime, said, "Hey, this Portland team's been struggling a bit, particularly in the fourth quarter." If we get down to them, don't worry about it because we're going to be able to come back and even maybe get over the top late in the game. So, you know, that that also has effects. Like giving the other team confidence by them knowing that you're struggling is makes it difficult for you to, to come out and perform late games. So, you know, I, I do think that missing shots was a large part of it, but it, it definitely wasn't the totality of it. And again, the mistakes they were making and just just really boneheaded kind of stuff too. I think that 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 to me seemed like more of an issue than just missing shots. Yeah, and we, you and I have talked about this a bunch throughout the season. We've, we've kind of bounced stuff off each other in the general idea of what's the best spot for Portland to kind of be in offensively, What you know, balancing what Damon Ant do best with what Chauncey wants to do, with integrating Jeremy, with making sure Josh is getting his touches, uh, bringing GP and Nas back into it. And what I've seen over the last three games – um, when we, we, we have seen a change in how the offense goes about it. Damon's pick and roll volume himself is up. Ants is still stable. So it's really been the big difference is that Dame decided to go, okay, listen, the whole catch and shoot thing. That's fine. Like I, I, I'm more than capable of doing it and I need to do it, but we need to make sure that our bread and butter is covered. Like this is what we, like, this is our baseline effectiveness of I'm really good at this. And it's not like we need to, you know, turn the dial a little bit here or there to make sure we're super efficient. Dame's pick and roll per synergy over the last three games is almost one and a half points per possession. That would shatter every offense in NBA history. That's how good he has been in the pick and roll. And duh. (laughs) Duh. He's been that guy for that long. What has been interesting is, and I think this is where for all of the people where that scream coaching is so, so important is that Chauncey has allowed that to go while also still keeping in some of the structure. So Nurk is still getting some post-ups. They're still getting some high-low action. They're still getting Jeremy on his mismatches. It's not perfect, but the, the structure of the team's offense is no longer the egalitarian, eco-friendly, everybody gets their shots. It's Dame, bread and butter, pick and roll. That number's being dialed way up. Everybody else fall in line. And I don't, some people want to say, well, play like the Warriors, play like the Warriors, play like the Warriors. 
the Warriors don't play like the Warriors right now because they're missing guys and because Clay's not who he used to be and Draymond's getting older and Steph's coming off injuries and Jordan Poole needs his touches. When you look at this, particularly over the last three games, do you feel like this is the right balance or does it still need to tweak? Does there still some stuff that needs to change? Where do you kind of fall on what you've seen over at least the last three? You know, I, I think it's I think it's about right, to be perfectly frank. Again, I'd like to see it for another three or four games to kind of figure out, like, it, was it just something that, that you were seeing or that worked well versus Dallas? Um, obviously, they, they did play quite well versus the Cavs, and, and it did seem like they were getting more and more. Obviously, Dame puts up 50 points. Dame's not scoring 50 points in the pass the ball. Everyone gets their, their touches offense. So, you know, I, I'd like to see it for a little bit longer, but I do, it does feel like they're, they're striking a better balance there. Um, and, you know, I think when, you know, when you have a late game situation where, you know, the three guys get three pointers and none of them are Damian Lillard, I think that in and of itself is almost like a, it almost makes you stop. And it's like, wait, now what, what are we doing here? Thinking because a little too like, hard. And again, that's a scramble. So it's not exact. it's, you know, it's not like you're drawing up that play necessarily, but fact of the matter is he was open multiple times in that situation. Didn't get a look. And I think, you know, when you're going back through film, that can maybe lead to like a broader discussion of like, hey, um, is that really kind of the the best utilization of of my skills or of the team skills and kind of what we can bring to the table? So, you know, I, I think that that, you know, particularly around the halfway point, Chauncey may be loosening up a little bit on that um, makes a lot of sense. And, and I think it's a recognition of just where the team is and and where they're, they're trying to get to and some of the issues they were having, you know, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, as soon as they kind of put the ball in Dame's hands a little bit more, the turnovers start to, to fall a bit. Now, granted, he, he was having issues turning the ball over as well. He was having a, I think he had a little bit of a hand issue that kind of he wasn't yeah. really being real forthright about. Um, and I noticed on multiple occasions, like there were times where I was like, are, are you okay right now? Because like that, that's a, that's a little looser than I'm, than I'm accustomed to seeing you with the ball. So, you know, I think that, that that plays a role in it as well. And, you know, obviously he wasn't shooting very well for five or six games mm -hmm. too. And, you know, it's, it's hard to be like, yeah, I should be getting more shots or we should be more pick and roll actions. If you're missing a lot of shots. And, shooting 30% you know, from three. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, Chauncey even mentioned it post game last night, like when Dame is able to get to the rim as well as he is right now with his, with that first step, like it, it opens up, it opens up the opportunity to to do some drive and kick and to share the ball and to maybe not be the same kind of Golden State Clipper style offense that that maybe you would really want to be if everything were were perfect. But it does at least give you some ability to let Dame create while also getting guys some some looks as well. So you know, I, I do feel like they're they're finding a better balance there. Um, I, I would like to it'd be nice to see it a little more in the second unit as well too, you know, like have, have a little more kind of playmaking and a little more, I wouldn't say structure because I think Chauncey's pretty much calling all the plays in that second unit, yeah. but you know, just uh, finding a little more rhythm in that second unit to have their own kind of offensive profile outside of, you know, just kind of get which, things in the which, whichever of Ant or Dame, Dame is on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just being like, he, he he's out there with four guys right now. He's going to get a look like, like I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see that second unit get a little more cohesive and, and have a little more opportunity to kind of play through the flow of an offense. And, you know, I think Nas coming back obviously helps a lot with that. I think obviously Gary helps with that. 
and justice, you know, we're still probably at least, I mean, two, definitely two at weeks. least a week out, maybe yeah. even a little bit longer, you know, justice really in that second unit did provide that. So that, I mean, if they're able to get fully healthy, you know, maybe you see that a little bit, but um, long story short, I do think they're getting close. Uh, do we need to talk gentlemen about how we have a stretch five now and should he be getting more shot attempts? Because in his last four games, Yusuf's averaging four attempts last night, obviously he hits two for uh, two of four from three has a good night. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. I Casey, I know you've talked about it a little bit in the past. I, we may have even joked about it on Twitter before everybody sees Mark Gasol and Brooke Lopez do something and they just assume every seven foot big man can become that. But as much as it kind of pained me to see him shoot him at first, maybe a year or two ago. I mean, I don't know. The percentages are starting to kind of make me wonder a little bit here, what we make of kind of the evolution that we've seen for probably what going on three seasons now, Yusuf being a little more comfortable. And I know it's a small sample size, but for a game when you're maybe hitting two out of the four, I, I'm just curious, do we have a stretch five now? I mean, I, I, I it's possible. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, you're exactly right, Brian. I've been kind of driving the Nurk's to shoot three pointers train for like three or four years now. And, you know, I got way over my skis, you know, <laughs> making wagers with Freeman about how many he was going to take and how many he was going to make. And I still haven't paid off those bets yet. So Joe, <laughs> if you haven't been listening to this, I apologize. And uh, I, I pay my bets. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a Welsh. I, I, will, <laughs> I, will, I will own up to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, to, to have Nurk, to hear Nurk talk about it, he talks a lot about, you know, the confidence Chauncey has in him to shoot that shot, mm -hmm. which I think really says something too, because I don't think, I mean, Chauncey gets kind of a rap, bad rap for being a guy who doesn't want the team to shoot three pointers, but he's definitely more reluctant about it than, you know, your new age analytics driven kind of coaching staff. So he's got a little bit of Hooper in him. Yeah, for, for sure. So, so for Chauncey to get to the point with Nurk to where he's like, yeah, you can take those. And I, I, you know, I think it is kind of still on a game by game basis of like, well, if you hit the, your first one or two, then great. If you don't, then, you know, maybe look for something else. But it, again, just outside of the shooting itself and the, the, the points, like just having, making a defense at least consider your center at the three point line, like just has so many positive effects, particularly when you're a kind of guard ball dominant team like the Blazers are so like even even if you're someone who's like yeah big man you should be in the paint you know you should, three point shots what are you doing like I I understand that and you know I don't think Nurk's to the point yet where like he's such a knockdown guy that you're like oh swing it to Nurk he's open in, in the corner and as Danny will tell you you shouldn't be taking the corner ones anyways but uh but it, it just like to me, it's so much more important than the points he provides in that situation. Just the the way that it makes the defense react and the way that it pulls guys out away from the rim. Whereas before, it's like with Nurk, like you know that like you can plant your butt firmly in the paint and you know you're not going to have to go all that far away because he's just not a guy who's typically going to, to draw you out. Even though, you know, he's he's always been a decent mid-range shooter as well. He just doesn't take a lot of them as he probably mm -hmm. shouldn't. But, you know, so... I mean, I, he's getting there, you know? And and the thing about that too, Brandon, you talk about kind of seeing other centers do it. Like, I mean, you guys have been around the game long enough. You've been doing enough games to know that all these guys can shoot. Like, I mean, Robin Lopez, like pregame would sit in the corner and hit like nine out of 10 regularly. Dwight Howard will like, sit there and cash from three. Yeah, like the guys are really, I mean, they're 
Aiden is another guy too. Like he does this whole thing where like he shoots half court shots until he makes one mm-hmm. before games. But like I've seen him kind of post up and 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 shoot from three as well, and he's great at it. And like that's just it has to be at least a consideration in your game now. Like you don't yeah. need to be a guy who shoots all the time. But like if if you want to be a center in the NBA in 2023, like for the most part, you have to at least be maybe not a threat, but like at least a at least a challenge from from three. And so yeah, I mean I I I shout out to Chauncey for like giving Nurk the latitude to do that and, and for Nurk being willing to do it again. Cause Nurk is a guy too who like he doesn't he doesn't like to fail, you know, like no one no one does, but like Nurk takes stuff kind of hard and if if something's not working for him like it I, I think it, it affects him a little more than it might affect other guys and so for him to kind of stick with it even knowing that people are like Nurk please don't shoot three-pointers like that that might also speak to kind of the troll in Nurk as well too like he does have that little like oh you don't think I should yeah. do that well I'm gonna do it five <laughs> times it, Danny remember, knows that side well uh, I yeah. do a hundred percent but this this strikes me real quick. It strikes me. This is what we used to call the Ben Wallace challenge. So the Ben Wallace challenge date me a little bit. When we were in high school, you know, you get cocky sniff when you're a certain age. I used to, a friend of mine, like, could you beat anybody, any NBA player in a three-point contest? And I go, well, any player? And he goes, no, all-star player. And I was like, there's no way Ben Wallace can beat me in a three-point contest. And maybe maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm an idiot. If, I don't know if you could play that game in the NBA now, to your point. Like, no. Everybody shoots the ball. Like, can you yeah. name a yeah. center that you think you could beat in a three-point contest? Because back in the day, it might have been easy. And nowadays, it's, it seems impossible. Capella. I feel like Capella would somehow still get it. Like, that, like that's, that's like the first name that I go to. It's like, uh, who's a guy who doesn't shoot at Never all? shoots, yeah. And I was like, that's probably. But even then, yeah. All right. The, all these guys can shoot. Like, they're just. Ben Wallace Simmons. is a good one too because such ben a defensive-minded team that yeah, like he, you're, to your point, Brandon, he probably he probably wasn't ever shooting threes, yeah. right? You know, right. particularly coming from from small school, kind of the route he went, like there's probably never a like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna spend a half hour every day, you know, getting up three-point shots, but but yeah, nowadays it's like I don't, if nothing else, everyone. Every center in the NBA is at least practicing them, whereas mm-hmm. before you, I mean, probably never because they all they all want to debut it because they want to stay in the league longer because that's yeah, exactly. if you can space the floor. I mean, legitimately, like that's a way to stay in the league now is if uh, I, I, you know, I put together the uh, shooters with size that like guys you could target here at the trade deadline guys over six, seven, it's a short list. Like there's not many dudes who can do it. So if you are, if you do have size, it's a big difference. Uh, speaking of Dirk, one thing real quick, one little note I did want to highlight was when uh, we started to talk to him last night. First thing he said, Casey, what was it? Talk about the turnovers? Uh, oh, yeah, that he was scared to turn the ball over. Yeah, he was like, I'm scared, man. Like, I'm, I'm, scared. I'm scared to pass the ball now. Yeah, I'm scared to pass the ball. Like, I don't want to make wrong play. And, like, Chauncey, he, he on top of us about turnover and mistake, man. So, you know, like, like I'm, I'm afraid. Like, I, I'm scared to turn the ball over. I think, and I think that's why you've seen him kind of tighten things up. And I, I want to give the big man credit because you talked about how he's been like, he's looked okay from the mid range in the past. Those shots have almost completely disappeared from his shot diet. Completely disappeared, which great. Like it's unless you're like DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, CJ, Ant Dame, like guys who have shown that you can shoot the hell out of the ball at all levels. Get it out of your, just take it out. 
take a step back. And the other thing about Nurk is is beyond his shot profile. It's his shot itself. His jumper looks good now. Yeah. It used to have a big hitch. He's he still got the uh, trebuchet windup where it feels like he's kind of you're cranking the, the the boards in a circle. But his release, everything is smooth. And the big thing is, as great as the three-point shooting is, his finishing has skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. If you look at him uh, over his last 10 games, let me pull this up here real quick because I had I had his shot chart up. You didn't throw in the air quotes when you said jumper, by the way, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he leaves the floor. His mover, yeah. His... He does, he, does, he, does he leave the floor, he though? Leaves, he leaves the does floor. He? His entire body? Like, yeah, I mean, like, I would say, like, his heels for sure, but... Are <laughs> his toes, toes are touching? Well, he wears like a size like nineteen, doesn't he? That's a big. Well, exactly. That's a long ways to go. Yeah. You got to get a foot and a half off the ground before your feet are off. So, um, but what's really really interesting, and I want to use this not only as, as a as a Nurk kind of deal, but also as a team deal. Um, there is Chauncey. It's it's not a secret that Chauncey prefers getting to the paint, right, Casey? Like that's that's that is a that is a Chauncey the paint. Yes, he wants to get feet in the paint. And what's really interesting is, uh, as I refresh this because a stupid server went down, let's try that one more time, is that over the last 10 games, even though Portland has struggled shooting, they have been incredible in the paint. Incredible in the paint. Which is why all those games when they turned the ball over and could not hit threes to save their lives, it was so frustrating. Because you look at it, Dame's over 70% at the rim. Nurks over 70% of the room. All right, let me see if I can finally get this to refresh and work. No data available. Okay, you know what? Screw you. Uh, and with I, a couple uh, nice takes, too, by the way, too, in, in the last Mavs game. I thought he's, well. he's had a couple of those over the last two weeks where he's had he's, – he's displayed more aggressiveness, and mm-hmm. he's had those little drop-off passes. It still needs to work on his playmaking. There's no doubt about that. But his vision has gone from blinders when he gets downhill – to like 45 degree blinders. Like they've opened up a little bit, allowed him things are, and the big thing is, is this, and this is true of every playmaker as they develop in the NBA, is that you have got to have the, the reps where you just kind of figure it out. There it goes. Finally, sorting by field goal percentage. Um, At the rim, here's your, your finishing leaders over the last 10 games for the trailblazers. Eubanks at 90%. Shocking. Uh, Jeremy Grant, seventy-seven percent. I was gonna say Jeremy's got to be in there too. I feel yes. like he's I feel dunking like he's got like everything dunks in the last like five games. Okay, we need to circle back to that. Put a, put a pin in the Jeremy dunks. I want to talk to you about that. GP seventy-five percent. Shaden seventy-four percent. Nurk seventy-one percent. Dame sixty-seven percent. Ant sixty-seven percent. Josh sixty-five percent. Those are all well above average numbers for them. Well above Dame, his normal finishing rate I believe is like 57, 58%. He's at basically 70. Nurk is at what was that? He's at 72, 71 over the last 10. Over the last five, he's almost at 80%. Uh, and his volume's actually up. That's the thing about this team that perhaps the the so-called Chauncey ball ends up being good for them in the long run because it forces them and to realize and to know that they can fall back on their pain ability because this is the team that under Terry stops. And a lot of this wasn't Terry necessarily, but personnel, they Dame was the only guy who could put the ball on the floor and finish. I mean, CJ 
there was the you know crime scene tape around the paint for him. Um, Aminu was not putting the ball down. Moe's not putting the ball down. Nurk was struggling as a finisher. And you look at the bench guys, they're all shooters. Now you've got guys off the bench, GP, Shaden, Nas, uh, Jabari, Trendon, Drew, guys who, Justice, like they, they want to get downhill as much as they want to shoot. The, the way they've kind of built this profile, I think this ends up being a good a good foundation for them to kind of build on in the second half of the season. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, that's kind of, I think they, they are, they do seem to be finding that balance and yeah, like having, so to your, to the point about like, was, did they need to lose those games? It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. But like the, uh, just the notion being that like, yeah, if it, if it forced them to kind of come to grips with some of the issues they had and then forcing them to, to get to the paint more and to, and to kind of find a better balance between, Kind of what Chauncey's been preaching nonstop, and some of the things that that they feel like they're they're better suited to do on the court. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, that you might be onto something there, Dan, and just that, you know, I, it does seem like at this point, at least over these last couple games, last five games, you mentioned that that they are they're striking a better balance between, you know, knowing that obviously the three point shot is incredibly important in the NBA, and you need to take them and make them while also realizing that, you know, like we need to get more attempts at the rim. And particularly if guys are going to make those attempts, we really need to to improve our opportunities there, which is, you know, why it's such kind of the stuff with Josh and about like, you know, passing them three point shots is, is kind of a paradox because on one hand it's like, yeah, you know, you're supposed to take the shots that are there for you within the flow of the offense. But, you know, sometimes he's not wrong, you know, like the idea being that like, Hey, like if, if we're, if Chauncey is asking us to get into the paint and, you know, we're taking deep three pointers with, you know, 10 seconds left in the shot clock, it's like, what are we getting out of that? And we're not making them a whole lot right now either. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's get back to, to doing what Chauncey wants us to do since we're not making those shots anyways. So, you know, it does seem like they're, they have a better distribution at this point. And, you know, you would hope that the shooting at the rim would would continue to to show those numbers. I mean, you assume that just like the three point shooting is going to go up and down a bit. Some of that finishes going to be some of that. Certainly. Um, Quick note, Jeremy Grant now leads the team in dunks. He has blown past Drew Eubanks. I was going to ask who was second. Drew Drew had the early clubhouse lead. Yeah, he he was at like, I want to say, thirty two. Like damn near a month ago, he's at 39 now. Obviously, his his minutes have declined a little bit. hasn't had those as many scoring opportunities. But Jeremy's at 47 now. It's nine percent of his shots. So 30, 36 percent of his total field goals are from three. Nine percent of his shots are dunks. So <laughs> was that almost 50 percent of his shots yeah, are threes and dunks? That's I a like really it. good analytics profile. <laughs> I like that, especially That's... when Jeremy's like, he's 47 of 50 on his dunks. And he's 38% now on his threes. The three would be tough because of the way the games evolve so fast in a decade. But have the Blazers had a player quite like that in terms of dunk percentage like Jeremy? When was the last one? Uh, the Blazers have not had anybody, I think, that has cleared 50 dunks in a while. Yeah, because we like, – Blazers have been a non-dunking-ass team. Non-dunking. The, least, a, the least athletic team in the NBA for basically a decade. Yeah. It was it was not close. And I said Jeremy's at 38%. I'm sorry, 38% of his total shots are threes. He's shooting 43% from three. Sh- that's what I'm saying. His, his analytics yeah. profile right now is bonkers. Um, but Nurk, 
Nurk's now up to 18 dunks in the season. He had like five just last night alone. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like Nurk always dunks late in games. Too. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like Nurk ever dunks in the first three quarters. He dunks in the fourth quarter. I'm That's, thinking of I'm uh, sure the bubble game. About that, but. No, I, Casey, I'm thinking of the bubble playoff game that they beat in that series against the Lakers. I'm just I'm thinking of Nurk's like end game kind of stamp on the game and one dunk that he kind of had. Like I think you're right. It feels like most of his dunks are at the tail end of games. Interesting. For whatever reason. Yeah. I, is- and there's sometimes too where it's just like, dude, you're you're right there. Man. You're right there. Yeah, we're we're getting suggestions for who you could beat um, from the free throw line, um, the three point line, the three th- point. Oh, I'm sorry, line. three three, point, three line. point contest. But like yeah. a lot of the names here, are like older names, like Mason Plumley and like Joel Persbilla and stuff like that. It's Mason like, Plumley shooting with his left might beat me now, but yeah, he's he's he's, he's switching making it up. fun of him and he's hitting him. <laughs> he's hitting he's hitting free throws now. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, let's let's pivot to the uh, the Denver game because this is a wildly important game for a lot of different reasons. Uh, this is the last matchup in the regular season with Denver. It's already done. Tell me this isn't a little bit weird, Casey. Dallas, done. Phoenix, done. Denver, done. A division rival, done before the All-Star break? That's that's a little weird, isn't it? Yeah. No, it, it, we did seem to knock out quite a few right away. I mean, like Phoenix, they were done with that series in the, like first, the month. first month of the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, I think they're – yeah, so to so to have as many as they've had, and now and they're only one away from Minnesota too, right? I mean, because they played two in Portland and they yeah, lost and they, the yeah the Minnesota, the last yeah. Trip, so yep. they're close to finishing that one off as well. Yeah, I don't. It it always seems like there's one or two teams every year, and usually just one team where you finish up the series really fast for whatever reason. Like, but but yeah, to have multiple teams where, particularly in division and, and in conference, who you're already basically done with, you know, I, I think that's. I think when you're, I guess it depends on where your team is at. Like if you feel like you're a team that's kind of having to kind of learn as the season goes on, you probably want to want to have those a little more spaced out. But I mean, when you're a team like Portland that played particularly well early in the season, I'm guessing you're like, yeah, sure, let's let's knock these out right now, and we'll we'll deal with the East in the second half. So it, it definitely a, a bit strange, and you know, you you would hope that uh, one you're able to get the game versus Denver, and two that a tiebreaker would matter versus a team like Denver. I'm a little skeptical of that one, but Phoenix and, and, and Dallas, I, I don't see any reason why those, those might not be in play when a playoff time comes near. What is it? What do you think it is Casey being in Denver and getting ready for their game? What do you think it is about Denver? I always find it interesting. Like when teams just have other teams that every time they play, they play great games. Like I went to the one that they played in December where Jamal hit the shot. And I remember talking to who I went the game with, and we had said, like, we should save up a little bit each month, and next year we should buy two courtside seats. Because sometimes last minute those become available. And he was like, what game should we go to? And I'm like, I don't know why. It's not even my favorite team to watch, but, like, every time they play Denver, it's a great game. Now, they've been blown out before. It's gone both ways. But most of the time it feels like it's a great game. Like, what do you think it is about Denver specifically that kind of draws out the best in each other and you get these kind of epic back and forth battles that sometime extend in overtime or sometime come down to the last uh, final shot. Well, I think part of it, and people always talk about this kind of like how, how are rivalries built or how are rivalries rivalries made? And I wouldn't say that Denver's necessarily a rival, but they're made in the playoffs and the nuggets and the blazers have met each other in the playoffs quite often, frequently one. I mean, obviously Portland, advancing to the Western Conference Finals by by winning that game in Denver, game seven. I think that does it. And then, you know, playing the Nuggets and 
the Nuggets being incredibly shorthanded and them beating Portland in what five or six games to basically, you know, end that iteration of the team. I think that obviously kind of sticks around with some of the players on this team. Um, I think anytime you have a guy in, I think the, the Jokic Nurk kind of thing leads into that a little bit, not that there's like anything there, but just having a guy in Jokic and having a guy who is kind of of the same idea as Jokic, I think that also lends to it as well. Um, I've always felt like a little simmering animosity between the Blazers and Jamal Murray. Like, I don't know exactly why, but like, it always just seemed like there's a little bit of an edge there. Um, and, and again, it, I think for the most part though, it's the familiarity. I, I think there was, I think Jokic did an interview in with some like Serbian paper, something like that. I and he mentioned, he's like, I know Terry Stotts' team so well that like, I know exactly what they're going to do. Like, it's like, it's like breathing. Like I know kind of everything <laughs> yeah. that they do I'm familiar with because we played them so many times. And I, I think that those are the kind of things that, that lead to, to teams generally kind of playing each other tough. And, uh, and you're right, Brandon. Like I, I do feel like they, if it's not a, it's either a blowout or it's a really good game. Like it doesn't yeah. seem like there's a whole lot of like, yeah, Blazers won by seven and, you know, they led for most of the game or, or vice versa. I feel like it's either, you know, the Nuggets blow you out or, it's a it's a game that's decided in the last possessions. Do you ever feel like you hear? Do you ever hear the players? Sorry to cut in here, Danny. But no, no, like, you're fine. Do you feel like, or no? Do you feel like do you do you hear players talk about teams? Like you say, rival, right? You don't get a lot of big headliney things that come out. You know, Dame's pretty great talking to the media, but he didn't give a lot of like, oh, he said this and this about this player and this team. Do you hear them talk about teams that they kind of? Uh, for lack of a better term, circle on a calendar, a team that they would consider a rival or that you can kind of feel those juices going when they play them? You know, I, I don't know that it's like a – for me, it's not a team level. It's like an individual player level. Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, I will hear in the locker room guys talking about players on different teams and it being like, I don't like that guy or that guy's ass or, like, you know, like, those are the things you hear pretty consistently. And, you know, I – in the I same, in that, the same well, names. Yeah, there, there are a few guys on the Nuggets that <laughs> so I think probably rub a few guys the wrong way. Um, but it, it does seem to me I, – I th so, like, if there's a few personalities on a team that you don't like uh, and then you play each other a lot and you didn't really play each other close and you see each other in the playoffs fairly often and you're in the same division, so even, and even though divisions don't matter kind of like they used right. to, you know, still kind of that, that old mentality, like, this is the divisional game and uh, against a team in the nuggets, uh, you know, with Portland too, that has kind of continued their ascent while Portland has kind of Reset. stayed generally yeah. flat. I think there's probably a, like, why can't we be that team? Particularly when like we beat them before in the playoffs, we should have beaten them before in the playoffs last time we lost to them. So I, I think that it all, the, the familiarity. And again, like I, I think there's just certain guys and certain teams that guys just don't like, and I think that also kind of feeds into it as well. And, you know, you're always playing at elevation, so you always hear that. And, like, this is just a dumb small thing, but particularly when it comes to Denver, their PR guy or their PA guy talks trash, basically. Like, <laughs> so, like when you when a, an opposing team misses the free throw, he does he goes, bleh. Like, it, it's like a <laughs> – like, they, they – they, their, their PA trolls you, you wow. a little bit when you're playing them. So I think that – I kind of like that, actually. I yeah, want Mason no, it, to do this. It, it, it's, it's different <laughs> Was it Denver that called – It's the only place I can think of where it's like 
like you know the guy in Dallas like yells a lot, but like sure. it's usually like focused on like the fans and the. He's Mavs. always like, like, "Let's go, man!" Yeah, it's defense, yeah. you know. Like, right, the, right. Like, in Denver, was it the, like was it the Denver one that that got Myers' name wrong and somebody else's name wrong like on the same trip? Yes, and it, because of the Denver one specifically, I feel like our PR guy went to the table and was like, "Hey, it's pronounced Myers, not Meyer." So, so yeah, and and, and again, like they'll they're again they're a bit they're a bit looser with things. Like they'll yeah. they'll kind of like needle you a little bit. Whereas I feel like other teams are like, "Oh, come on, let's sportsmanship and so on and so right, forth." Or like right, the, the Nuggets have like that little organizationally have just a little. They lean into their homerism. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 it's a thing, and it, it's 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 okay. Yeah, just yeah, give it to him, guys. How many? You know, yeah, flex that's. Oh, and you have the Scott Hastings, Hughes Nurkic thing yeah, as well. So. Yes, uh, yeah. that's where I was going when they lean into their homerism. Hastings yeah. is. Listen, if you're a Nuggets fan, he's great. He's great. You love him. You embrace him. He's just, but he's he's dyed in the wool powder blue or whatever <laughs> whatever their 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 color is now. Pepsi brown, isn't it? Yeah, what whatever it is, they they change it up. Ball brown, right? It's ball <laughs> brown. It's not, it's not Pepsi anymore, right? Jeez. Yeah, um, probably shouldn't have said that. There are. <laughs> it's Paul Brown is going to get clipped for sure. Um, <laughs> there's 15 games. That's it between now and the All Star break. Little less than a month out. There's a recording here. It's the 16th. Um, All Star break starts on after the 14th, correct? I think, yeah, I think, like, I think, I think the game's on the 19th, so it must start maybe on like the 16th or the the 15th. It's I think 15th is the last or 14th is the last day of games. I think because they, remember they they put the trade window in front of right. the All Star break, so you didn't have guys getting traded or answering questions during All Star break. Well. They can get traded beforehand and not during games. Yeah, um, which got really weird there for a couple of years when deals were coming down during the All Star game. Um, what do you want to see? What do you hope to see? What are the things that you're afraid to see between kind of now and then over the next fifteen? Um, I mean, what I would like to see is for the offense and the defense to kind of mesh up at the same time. It's like every once. time this year, once exactly like every time it's like. Boy, the offense is humming, and they're 28th in defensive efficiency, or they can't hit the broadside of a barn, and the defense is now 15th. You know, like so. I would like to. I would really like to see the a 15 game stretch in which they are a top 10 offensive team and a top 15 defensive team. I think that would put them on a on a really good footing to have a successful second half. Casey, I just looked at cleaning the glass right now over the last two weeks, 11th in offense, 12th in defense. Well, there you go. Man. Hey! And these last three games must have made the difference. They must have because, spun, Well, their mm-hmm. defense was really good and their offense was really bad in these last three games. The offense has been really good. So you're yeah. getting that balance now. <laughs> and I kept telling people that too. I was like, their defense is good right now. Like, they, they've been fine on that like side. The, it's a knee-jerk reaction to be like, this team stinks defensively, and, you know, fair enough. They, they've been bad for a while, so you understand it. But, like, when people talk about this this losing streak and, like, boy, they're they're, they're safe right now, it's like, they're really not. They're they're actually playing pretty well defensively. Yeah. They just can't – their their offense is, has completely left them. So, so I'd like to see that for an extended period of time. I mean, seeing it once is great. If they could do it for 15 games leading into the All-Star break, I think that would be nails. Um for, for reference, concerned. real quick, they are nine tenths of a point off on the season from being fifteenth defensively. So they That's they like they're at one one fourteen point nine, 
they get to a 114, they will be 15. Yeah. Like, they're, it's better than it has been. Sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to give you your no. your, your frame of reference for the, the groupings that you were looking for there. Yeah. As I mentioned before, too, like, I'd like to see them win a close game at some point in time. Like, the, the last close game that they won was New York in New York overtime the day after Thanksgiving. Like, they haven't won a close clutch game since then. So not that I, I mean, if they won all their games by 20, that'd be great. But like, I, I think to kind of assuage some of my concerns, I would like to see them have a game where it's nip and tuck in the fourth quarter and they make the plays they need to on both sides of the ball in order to, to get out a win in the fourth. I think that would, uh, that's something I'd like to see because I think going forward, if this is going to be a playoff team, they're going to be in those situations at some point in time. And you don't want to be the team that is always dropping games in the fourth. So I, I'd like to see that. My concern is that issues with with turnovers might rear their heads again, particularly if the team struggles at all. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm a bit concerned about seeing. Um, and I guess the last thing I'd say for wanting to see is I just like to see the entire team healthy. You know, like yeah. having a stretch of games where everyone is available. I mean, Gary, Nas, Justice, Dame, Nurk, Josh, I mean, everyone's had something at some point in time, you know, so so to get to a point where they can maybe play a stretch for like a month where everyone is mostly as healthy as you would expect them to be at this point in the season, I think would be it, it'd give you a really good idea of what this team actually is. And do they need to make changes? And if so, what what do they need to look for? Because it again, if you get everyone on the court, and it looks good. Then you're like, maybe you just ride with it. But um, I guess that's a uh, long answer of what I'd like to see. In these well, I, Casey, I, I think um, if we were to take records out, because right now I'm looking at the West and yeah, I mean, you're two games from where you're at now to like the five seed. Like the West is, the gap is huge. Like we can say, oh, they're barely the player. They're not in the play. It's like, yeah, but two games, like go on three game win streak and you're right there in the five. Take record away. Is this team about what you expected at this point? I know we're just we passed the midway point, but getting you back on just barely passed it. Is this about what you kind of expected from this team? It is actually, yeah. I, I, I probably would have expected them to be a little above five hundred at this point. Um, but after like the first month of the season, maybe first three weeks of the season, before the season started, I would say if they were hovering around 500, I would say that'd be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have assumed if they were around 500, they probably would have been like eight or ninth. So the fact that I think they're in 11th right now, but yeah, at your point, Brandon, it's like, right. it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's a couple <laughs> games. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, my kind of top end expectation for this team going into the season was to be a team that would avoid the play. And I feel like they're, they're in a, a good position right now to do that. Um, so yeah, I would say that generally they're about where I thought they would be. Um, I I hope they'd be a little better offensively. They're probably better defensively than I than I thought they would be. Um, I also wasn't figuring that Gary was going to miss the first two months of the season, so that also kind right. of right, right, and and particularly too like seeing the difference that he brings just in these three games. It's like. You, you can't really overemphasize enough how much they could have used that in the first two months, you know, oh like goodness. it's like, it's a completely different look that that team has, particularly that second unit has when he's out there. And so like, if you, you know, so if you were someone like, man, I thought this team was going to be better than they are. 
if you thought that Gary was going to be out there, which I think a lot of us did, then it's, I don't know how you could look at it and be like, boy, they, they're not as good as they should have been. Cause it's like, just seeing Gary and Fitz and starts is like, that's amazing. Like this is what in 15 minutes on yeah. both ends of the court yeah. for, I don't know how yep. long. So um, I want to touch on, on Gary and his impact and, and what it is kind of meant for Shaden as well. But I want to kind of back up with some of the things you were talking about there. Um, according to Cleaning Glass, uh, the good folks um, there, Mr. Ben Falk, for, for, former uh, Portland Trailblazers employee and all around good yeah. dude. Um, his um, metrics uh, as the Blazers with the 11th best point differential has them projected now for 44 wins. And they, they have basically dropped more than two games based on their point differential, which I would say is a safe assumption <laughs> that they have dropped at least two games based on that. And I, I have kind of been saying this for the last week. If you flip basically four of those games, there was, you know, it's very easy to say that it's very easy. Well, you could have done this. You could have, done this. I'm just saying in general, I think you could say very simply that this team could have won four games. And even just two of those games, you flip two of those games and it's a four game swing and you go from what are they right now? 21 and 22 to 23 and 19. How much better does that sound mentally? Like 23 and 19 right now would put you, I believe, fifth. Yeah, I think it, I checked. Yeah, it, it would, like it would be fifth. two games. Yeah, yeah. You, you two, three game difference here. I, you know what bothered me a lot? Uh, this is going to be a random tangent. Nobody has to like respond to it. I just, the last few games, like we, 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 I mean, Casey mentioned him. You're talking about him right there. Like we have clearly seen what the impact is with a guy like GP2. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody that watched that finals, like I remember talking about that on the radio and just like, yo, he won him the finals. Like Steph Curry was amazing, but like GP2 was a huge difference maker in that series. And when Portland got him, and then everybody argues, oh, is that too much? And then he comes in and we didn't really know about the injury he's sitting. I got really bothered as a guy who's watched this dude come from JUCO single-handedly take one of the worst college programs in college basketball to the NCAA tournament and then fight his butt off to make the league and finally find a place on one of the best teams the league's ever seen. Like, it really bothered me that everybody was just doing this like, oh, he's just milking it. He doesn't want to play. I got, that really freaking bothered me. And I didn't want to react to anything I saw on Twitter but I held it in, and I just I'm glad at least the last three, and it's small sample size at that. But I'm glad in these last three games, like, hey, this is what you get when you get this guy. And me and Danny talked about it on the last pod, like he's just infectious. He's smiling. He's kind of got a swagger to him that's a little different and quirky and cool. And he finds guys and he kind of does the Steph Curry. I'm gonna turn around because I know you made it reaction. Like he's brought some of that Golden State culture and i know dame's kind of talked about hey he played there he knows and it's just been nice to see in three games i'm curious to see what it's going to be like because i know he's probable for the game against denver what it's going to be against denver he hasn't played the nuggets yet with this team and so um i just i I just wanted to say like i'm happy watching this the last few and continuing to watch it because i was just really bothered by i i hate when we do it the most when we question toughness and we question character and the dude got surgery. He got hurt. Like that's a major surgery and a recovery. Sometimes athletes want to mentally feel like they're back to who they were before they just dive in. Even if a doctor says, Oh, you're clear. You can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll jump yeah, in on this and, and, and frame this up for you too, Casey, to, to talk GP in general, his impact on this team. We'll get you out of here on this. Cause we're, we're getting close to kickoff here. 
Uh, <laughs> we got Ben Stiller. <laughs> exactly. I got I, I to get some juice in this game. Uh, um, but his impact on this team in 15, 16 minutes a night, his impact on the floor, but his impact both on and off the floor for a guy like Shaden, who it's become very evident very quickly that, that G is, is, is his vet. And like how he has just kind of taken him under his wing and, and been very impactful with little things with Shaden on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I I asked Chauncey that before, and I basically I couldn't even like get the rest of the sentence out before he was like, "Yes, he has." <laughs> like, it, like it, he he for whatever reason, Gary has taken yeah shine to Shaden, and and yeah, like he it's stark like how how much different Shaden plays particularly on the defensive end but also on the offensive end when Gary's out there like it's like he for whatever reason he's able to engage Shaden at a level that you know no one else on the team has been able to do just yet and you know it it, it's no coincidence that 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 the bench unit is now starting to put up a few points here and there when Gary's out there even if Gary's not doing the scoring than they were a week ago when you know they scored three points versus the Raptors in that loss like it and with Shaden especially, like, there's just – one, I, I think I've maybe been somewhere else before, like, young guys really like Gary anyways. Like, I, mm-hmm. and you talk about kind of the infectious personality and he's smiling and he's having a good time. And, and you know, I, I, Dame had mentioned something about Golden State and them not really, like, playing with joy and, like, not feeling That's like – was, yeah. You know, like, every single t- – every win and loss is, like, the biggest thing in the world. And I think when you're a team like Portland that have been struggling or that has had to grind for everything, like you kind of build that mentality. And Gary comes from, you know, have a very successful stint with the Warriors in which, you know, their whole approach to things is like, we play the way we play. And if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, we're going to play the same way tomorrow. And, you know, I, I think that for young guys, especially to, to have someone who, not like guys in practice are getting on guys when they make mistakes, but just knowing that like they have that, that personality or that mentality where it's like, Hey, we can, we can go out and do some things here and there and can have fun. And this doesn't have to always be so buttoned up and uptight. I think particularly for young players and for a guy like Shaden, who is, you know, I think kind of figuring out who he is as a basketball player, not just from like a skills perspective, but from like a mentality perspective and a perspective of like what it takes to be a pro you know, I think having Gary around is really helpful for that. And that's not even to speak of just the, again, when Gary's on the court, particularly defensively, and like he's telling guys to do stuff, like it just comes across better from Gary than it does from anyone else, be it be coaches or other players. And, you know, so it is, so him being in that second unit and being a leader in that unit, um, I think we're already seeing really positive results from that. And yeah, with Shaden as well, like being able to keep, Shaden engaged on both ends and getting something out of him on both ends. And I would even say particularly on the offensive end right now, that, that opens up a lot for this team, you know, like they need that score off the bench right now. And, you know, I think Gary, you know, gets a, gets a fair amount of credit for, for again, just getting Shaden to a place where like, he's not just going to go stand in the corner. Like Gary's not going to allow that. He's going to be like, Hey man, you need to, you're a young guy. Like you need to be moving without the ball, particularly defensively too. It's like Gary's just telling him like, you have to pick up full court. And it's like, Chauncey's not calling for them to pick up full court, but Gary's like, just go do it. Like you're, ni- you're it, 19. You've got the legs. You're 19. Go. Exactly. Like it, 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 
pick him up. Like, and, and he takes it really well. Like I, I talked to Shane about Gary uh, before the game last night. And like, he like, again, like, I mean, Dan, you know, and Brandon, you probably have some kind of experience with it. Like Shane, not a, not a big talker, not a guy who, who is like, really reminds kind me of Ant, right kind of that things, way, but like it's very much. Yeah. You can tell when you're talking to Shaden about something that he's kind of interested in. When he gears in, his has, eyes open up and he turns has his a little head. more to say. Yep. Yeah. And as soon as I asked him about Gary, that's what it was like. He was like, yeah, I mean, he's like, Gary is great. Like it's, it's really helped me a lot kind of figuring some things out. So when, you know, when you have a guy too, who's like potentially a, a big piece of your franchise going forward, to have a guy who was already kind of in his ear and already making progress and kind of getting him to where you want him to go. You know, that's kind of stuff where, you know, Udonis Haslam gets paid for that, but like no one else basically does. So like <laughs> Gary is a guy who who can kind of, he has that profile now to where guys listen to him and they want to, they want to be around him. They want to listen to him. They want to learn from him, which again, in the NBA, amongst the players is not there's not a ton of those guys necessarily a real common thing no because you've got a lot of egos and a lot of guys who aren't willing to take coaching from another dude especially another dude who's not dame like it's exactly. it's, it's one thing when the all-star the the hall of famer says something it's you know word is bond kind of thing but when you get the role players who are able to kind of come through which is why <clears throat> you get guys who have existed as long as they have in the nba jamal crawford jeff green uh udonis haslam Rudy Gay, like guys who just continue, like they find a way to stay on the floor, but they're well-respected and they work with young guys and they understand what it's like to be a pro. Uh, James Johnson, uh, yeah. I the Pacers guys have told me, Rick Carlisle loves James Johnson. Loves mm-hmm. him. Because he gets the guys, look <clears throat> look at what Indiana's doing. Look how young they are. <clears throat> and he goes out there and he gets those guys to, to know how to play. The, the guy nicknamed Bloodsport has got, you know, a bunch of young guys doing what they're supposed to do. It's 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 all very very interesting. It, it of like the little thread storylines. That's one of the ones I'm very interested to watch develop for the rest of the season. Is how Gary and Shaden kind of that how that impacts Shaden's growth. Like if all of a sudden we see him not have Gary yell at him or tell him to go pick up full court, Shaden just starts doing it. You know, just the little things that just start clicking of what it's like to be a pro. It's just super, super interesting. Um, we, we've had you for an hour, so I'm going to get you out of here on this. So, Casey, plug away, man. Oh, you don't need to. Plug. Please listen to my podcast. Plug. With plug. The balcony. Please listen to uh, and subscribe as well, if you, if you possibly could, uh, to the briefcase. Um, we were going to record tonight. Brooke's feeling a little under the weather, so uh, we're going to. Oh, God, she's got it too now? Good Lord. Yeah, dude, it's it's going around, man. Like, I'm, I'm trying to. Did Lamar make it. the trip? Um. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't believe he did, but that's really not kind of my. Yeah. That's that's Lamar stuff. No, so that's I don't, fair. I don't wanna, yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I don't believe so. But okay. Find out tomorrow. It, it's, uh, it's, he, it's, and he might it's, be joining the team too. It's, it yeah. might be one of those things where he might it, come in. It's going around, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Lamar has been a. I know he doesn't want people talking about it, but the dude has been fighting through it for a while now, and you wouldn't know it other than he just. He's a dude. He just couldn't do it the other days. So shout out to you, Lamar. You're the best. Um, writing a story about uh, about Nas, uh, Nas's first game back, mm-hmm. uh, particularly kind of with comments from Dame about kind of what he saw from Nas in one of those get ready games, and and then like bringing that into the into the game versus uh, the Mavericks. Um, and yeah, uh, check me out on uh, 
on our pregame show uh, right before the game starts as well. Perfect. All right, folks, uh, you can find us across social media at Jack Ramsey's, at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague, and at Seahold. Uh, you can email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. You can find Brandon every morning, uh, except for today, because we had the day off. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, from 6 well, to Thank 9 you, Martin Luther. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, both. Um, out to the doc. <laughs> yes, shout out um, to the doc. But uh, Brandon and with his co-host, uh, Andy Dirt Johnson, 6 to 9 on 1080 The Fan. You can find me at noon to 3 with my co-host, Dusty Hira, also on 1080 The Fan. Other than that, we will be back for the live watch party tomorrow against the Denver Nuggets. That Again, like I said, I'm going to open that one up to everybody. So if you want to partake, I'll post the link up. All you got to do is jump in. You can catch it on Twitter or you can catch it in the YouTube comment section uh, and the community section. Other than that, everybody, go enjoy the last game of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, screw the Cowboys. Screw go the Bucks. Bucks. I hope go they Bucks. both lose. What? I don't know if that's possible. No. Whatever. Uh, Case, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate you. Everybody else out there, have a wonderful, wonderful night. Uh, take care, and we'll catch you tomorrow.